Today on Retire Smarter, should retirees change their portfolio strategy based on predictions of the US dollar's demise? Okay, here it comes again, F-E-A-R or fear. This time it's manifesting from the headlines of the dollar's demise as the reserve currency, spiraling inflation, low growth, and expressway to investment return hell. So I'm Kevin Krosky. Today, I'm going to cut through this BS to help you understand what the real economic risks are or are not, and how they do or do not translate to your investment return strategy. Today on Retire Smart. Welcome to another edition of Retire Smarter. I'm Walter Storholt. Joining us today is Kevin Krosky, Certified Financial Planner, MBA, and of course, Wealth Advisor at True Wealth Design, uh, serving you throughout Northeast Ohio, Southwest Florida, the greater Pittsburgh area, but able to meet with clients from anywhere. Just visit truewealthdesign.com to set up your time to meet. Kevin, good to be with you this week. How is your world, my friend? Welcome back to the show. Been a couple of months. Yes, it has been. Um, I'm good. Uh, yeah, I heard uh, Tyler's podcast with you last time and you you gave him my beloved egghead alert and I figured I had to come back on and kind of be like the dog <laughs> on the post and pee on the podcast and <laughs> stake my claim again. He's, he's not only stolen the show from you, he's even stealing your your like little taglines and, and liners. So yeah, he he was really angling for that. I could tell he was like purposely yes. slipping in some he words. Wanted you to hit the button you're right <laughs> it was telegraphed but uh but i loved it uh things going well in your life my friend yeah we're good sun's shining kids are in school mom and dad are good business is good can't complain very glad to hear it. Well, we got a good show today. I loved your intro, Kevin. Um, a little bit over the top than you most normally are, but I think you were doing that on purpose as we talk about the the dollar's demise and the role of fear maybe in financial news and trying to distill all this down into what should we actually you know take from it and put into our financial plans. You got it. So we, we've had, uh, you know, I've had probably a handful of questions. Tyler, I just talked to Tyler about it. I said, hey, I've been getting these questions. Have you been getting them? And I got the head nod up and down, not side to side. And so there's been a lot of this in the, in the headlines recently. There was a conference uh, about the bricks, you know, and not the bricks that you build your houses with, but the bricks or the kind of the acronym for countries like Brazil, Russia, India, China, uh, and South Africa. And there's several others that have kind of joined on to this. Uh, the conference was just in August when they're kind of talking about you know, hey, we should have this other currency that we can all rely on and and lessen our dependence on the U.S. dollar. And hey, you know, Russia, after they invaded Ukraine, uh, the U.S. froze about $330 billion in, of Russia's U.S. dollars reserves. Hey, if we want to be a bad actor too like that, we don't like that and we don't want our money frozen. So uh, we're going to come up and, and we're going to be de-dollarizers and kind of move away. And some of this is valid. So I don't want to make it sound like all hyperbole. It's definitely kind of the fodder for a lot of conspiracy theory. So um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of traffic we pick up on podcast land here just from what we're talking about. But if some clients have the question, uh, um, there's probably a lot more that do. So, you know, part of our job as advisors is really kind of cut through uh, the noise and figure out what matters and what doesn't and, and help explain that to people. So it's kind of one of those things where you look back about the internet over the last decades, tons more information today, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, that's a good thing. Um, you kind of have to sort through it and figure out what matters or what doesn't. Yeah, this is always 
this is like all these buzzwords that we've been hearing kind of in the news with bricks. I feel like I've seen that over and over, but kind of hard to sometimes distill down what uh, what those things mean to then our everyday investing lives. You got it. Back in um, the 2000s, BRICS became uh, a popular acronym. And that's emerging market economies were doing really well back then. Um, and investment returns were quite handsome for investing in those emerging economies. So this BRICS um, nomenclature isn't anything new. Some things are, are kind of valid here when you think about this. Uh, you know, blockchain technology and cryptocurrency is largely built upon there are different ways to go ahead and, and settle um, contracts and things like that. Um, so this is kind of another, <laughs> I mentioned like conspiracy theory. You have um, you have some gold bugs that were kind of digging into their territory here and, and crypto people too. So this is like, this is a very fine dance I'm going to try to do here over the next 20 minutes, Walt. But I think we should do well, a whole conspiracy theory episode no, at some point. That would be no, amazing. Yeah. I don't know. No, thank you. Kevin's thoughts um, on UFOs and JFK and all sorts of move, things. <laughs> moving right along. I mean, I, there is some validity to this. So, you know, one of the benefits about blockchain technology, not necessarily cryptocurrency, is the ability to go ahead and, and have transactions settle, have these smart contracts and just have a kind of a cleaner line of things. One of my personal pet peeves and, and, and things I hate the most is title insurance. Um, you think of all insurance and, and insurance that you have on your home or your car or on your health are all insuring things that may happen in the future. Well, title insurance is something that <laughs> is insuring something that happened in the past. Basically, the people did a decent job in doing their title search and conveying clean title. It's right up there in kind of the BS as far as I'm concerned. But as our mortgage market has developed over the decades, you need to have these pools and clean title to the mortgages. The lenders will require that you that you have this title insurance. So my understanding is only about 2% of claims, 2% uh, of premiums are paid out in claims for title insurance where for like say car insurance about 50% of premiums are paid out so it's uh, it's it's bs <laughs> but that, the blockchain a large it, gap large gap yes yeah. yes yes uh, so the blockchain technology and these smart contracts i think in theory could make title insurance go away now you know when or how far down the road who knows but that could be a pragmatic example of you know, this sort of, um, you know, payment and settlement and smart contracts. So some of that's being talked about for these bricks and, you know, hey, maybe they're going to use the blockchain to do these things. But they're really talking about dethroning the U.S. dollar in a sense and just lessening their reliance on the U.S. dollar. And just for perspective, when you look at the U.S. dollar's dominance, it's about 88 percent of international transactions, quite a bit and uh, roughly about 58% of global reserves. So, um, so why is it that way? Well, to have a reserve currency, you need to have economic and political strength and stability. Now, <laughs> most people listening to this are probably domiciled in the U.S., probably born and raised, and we all have that good, healthy home country bias. Um, and sure, we've had quite a bit on the news about much political disarray that we've had over the over the years, but maybe dog with least fleas is the phrase that comes to mind, Walt. Um, so dog you know, with kind least of capitalism. I like <laughs> yes. that. Did you come up with that or did you, did you lift that from somewhere? Um, I mean, it's a common saying. Maybe I'm just supplying it. Okay, here, I've but, never heard it. I've never heard the dog with least fleas. I like it, though. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Nothing I do is original, but um, <laughs> I implement well. So there you go. But you need to have um, this economic strength and political stability. And uh, again, the U.S. has it. And then you kind of have this network effect because once people um, will rely on it, we've built it up over time and the, these markets are very liquid and, and you know the payments are acceptable. So it's just there. I will say that when you look at some of these risks, yeah, well, I guess before we get into kind of solving the problem and really looking at the risk, what are the things that people are concerned about if this were going to come to fruition? So the, the really the concerns are, you know, and think of like um, settling commodities. So buying and selling commodities, mostly oil, because oil is kind of the largest commodity that's out there. But if you're settling transactions and not in dollars, but in this other currency or on the blockchain, then it's going to reduce the reliance on the dollar. And if that happens, then these countries could also reduce their U.S. dollar reserves. So that's kind of the um, how it's going to play out now. Now, what would that do to us here in the U.S.? Well, that would in theory, weaken the U.S. dollar relative to other currencies. It would make commodity prices higher in general, and then it would also make interest rates higher in general. And all that kind of triangulates to lower growth, too. So, you know, it's kind of bad stuff. And, and this isn't anything new. Candidly, this has been around for decades, you know, ever since we got off the gold standard and, and things like that. It's like, okay, the U.S. is going to hell in a handbasket, and it's nothing new. Uh, well, you, you had many years on the radio in different forms, I imagine. And this, a lot of this was like on AM radio type stuff. And you would hear a lot of like, gold advertisers saying now's the time to buy gold because the US dollar is going to hell or something along right. those lines. That's been around for a long time. We're selling well, selling seeds and uh, you know uh, food kits that'll last you for months when everything, you know, dies around you and how you can be the last yeah. one standing. Or hell, just go buy guns, right? And right. The, Guns, Mad ammo, seeds, <laughs> safes, and uh, and gold. Yeah, that's the the, the trifecta plus. So I, I'm not saying that some of this isn't um, valid, but it, it's quickly you know, spun into hyperbole um, by many different players, often for their own economic benefit. Incentives matter. But let's just look back in kind of true retire smarter way here. What does the historical evidence say? So let's start with history. Do we have some history that we can refer to to maybe see what would likely manifest if this came to fruition? So if we just go back really since 2000, so the dollar share of the world reserves has dropped by 15% since 2001. So I mentioned 58% of global reserves in US dollars. So just, you know, 20ish years ago, it was quite a bit higher. So it was uh, you know, call that like low 70%. So what's happened over that time, Walt? Has has the US gone to hell in a handbasket? Have returns been low? Has you know, inflation been run away on balance over that time period? No, actually, if you look over that time period until recently, despite the higher interest rates that we've had you know, through 22 and into 23, uh, interest rates actually fell over 1% and we have not had runaway inflation. Um, so that's just looking back over the last, you know, 20-ish years. D and despite a lot a of crises in that time frame, still <laughs> prosperous and, and quite good, actually. You got it. And, and, you know, it's a 15% change. I mean, that's the absolute change. But to have it, uh, you know, kind of on a percentage basis, you know, it's probably like round numbers. It's it's about, well, 15% global change on the low 70s is, you know, a little bit less than 20% total. So if we go back a little bit further in time, well, take a gander here back in time. What was the reserve currency before the U.S. dollar? 
the reserve currency before the U.S. dollar. Okay. Um, boy, I don't know. Would this be – well, oh, well, I guess it would have been like – are we going like way back, like England times? Like Yes. Okay. Ding, ding, ding. Nice. Good job. Well, I thought you were going to get that. I believed in you there, Walt, and you didn't let me down. So are we really back in like the 1700s here, or did that come much later? No, 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 no. I mean, the U.S. is – prominence really was um, last hundred years. Uh, so, you know, if you think about like late 1800s, <laughs> we talked about these bricks and kind of emerging markets. Well, you go back to the 1800s, U.S. was the emerging, was an emerging market. market. Okay, and yeah, um, we, we, we kind of grew to dominance uh, over the decades and, and, and really have remained there on many fronts. But I have some data just kind of looking back, say, from um, World War II era, so 1940 to 1960 in the aftermath of World War II. So my kind of attempt at being clever here, the pound sterling, a.k.a. the ex-king <laughs> of the reserve currency. So it like had a 34, <laughs> yes, 34% decrease in global currency reserves. And that was largely... Um, at the expense of the U.S. increasing by 33%. So 34% decrease, pretty significant, even larger than uh, the last 20 years that I mentioned in the prior example. And now what happened to uh, bond yields and what happened to growth? So if you look at it in bond yields, over that time, the U.S. bond yields, because I need to have a, a kind of a relative comparison here, increased by about 2%. And the UK has increased a little bit more, uh, but still under 3%, so 2.8. And for growth, growth after inflation, or AKA real growth, 3.6% in the US, uh, but still a pretty decent 2.6% in the UK. So these are two different time periods where we have actual evidence of this happening. You kind of have the ex-king, the pound sterling, where they did lose their reserve currency status. And you also had the U.S. have a pretty big decline over the last 10 years in the reserve status, but still certainly um, the largest reserve of currency that's out there. Um, but you didn't have these bad outcomes, these things that people are actually fearing when they ask the question or when they're reading these headlines. So clearly there are other factors than just kind of reserve currency they're factoring into inflation, into demand for government debt, and into growth. It's it's incredibly complex. So that's kind of the economic impact. We talked about the, the fears and the economic risks. We talked about the economic historical evidence. Now I'm going to change gears and say, okay, well, economics is not necessarily investments. Making an economic prediction uh, does not yield a straight line to this is what's going to happen in investment markets. But let's kind of think through this with a little bit of a keen eye and say, well, what are these investment implications, even if this risk were to happen? So uh, as with most things, Walt, I would say it depends. Yeah. So if you think about longer duration bonds, if anybody owned long bonds in 2022 when rates increased quite a bit and quite rapidly, long government bonds lost pretty much just about as much as stocks did. So, so if rates were to rise a lot again from here and uh, all these risks of these countries kind of selling their, their government debt and yields going forever higher inflation being run away, yada, yada, those long bonds certainly would be hurt. However, short bonds today, short government bonds, if you look at like uh, T-bills are yielding north of 5%. And they're going to mature in you know just a matter of months. So if rates are going higher, well, we have a north of 5% in, in an income yield right now that 
is pretty strong, healthy cash flow. And then that bond's going to mature in just a couple months, and we're going to reinvest as, at those higher rates as they keep inching upwards. So if you have shorter bonds as rates are going higher and you already have a healthy income return, that should bode pretty well and provide some protection for you uh, if that were to happen. So you just kind of think about like, what are you going to have in your portfolio and why you know, different asset classes are going to address different risks and they behave differently in different environments. So you just need to be very thoughtful and kind of think through this as well as how you're kind of assembling your total uh, investment recipe. A few other things I'll mention briefly, you know, we've talked about, at least for our clients, systematic trend following strategies. These are just looking for price trends and kind of capitalizing on them, whether the price is going up or down, it doesn't necessarily matter. So in 21 and 22, when commodity prices were going higher, you know, bond yields were going higher, AKA bond prices were going lower. These trend strategies that followed those price trends profited quite handsomely. So that could be a good diversifier and historically has shown to be just that. And then on the stock side, it gets a little bit more complex. So, you know, without getting too wonky here and staying away from the egghead alert, uh, <laughs> stocks historically do fairly well in kind of a, uh, a slowly increasing inflation environment. It's been an interesting run here that we've had in you know 22 and now uh, changing course in 23. Uh, so we'll see how this plays out. But um, it usually depends on the rate of change as uh, if the rate of change is quite fast, then it stocks maybe going to be a little bit more hamstrung at the same time. You know, it depends what type of stocks are you talking about? So if we own foreign equities, you know, say from the UK, Europe, Japan, Australia, even Canada, and our currency is weakening relative to some of these other currencies, when we bring the money back and convert it to US dollars, then we'll have more dollars. So it gets a little complicated when you're talking about currency exchange and, and things like that. But all this, you put it together in your portfolio. I just touched on a few different asset classes. There's some asset classes you should probably already have in your portfolio that even if these risks of the de-dollarizers you know, that they fear come to fruition and come to fruition quickly, there's still quite a bit in your portfolio that should do okay, particularly with where interest rates are already. So um, there's a fear that's out there. I don't think it's necessarily going away, but hopefully this is at least cutting through that fear, probably a healthy amount of BS too, to really look at what historical evidence has shown and then also make the connection to your investment strategy and just think through how your investments are likely to respond even if these risks were to manifest. So tough for the average investor, I feel, Kevin, to be able to see the headline about something like BRICS and then be able to get it all the way down to this level of analysis. It's so hard to get past that fear and that you know eye-catching headline to really get to the skinny of how it's going to impact somebody. So I'm greatly appreciative of episodes like this where we can say, all right, here, here's something dramatic, feels like the sky's falling. What kind of context can we put this into? Well, I think it's <laughs> ultimately this was something that I, I thought was important because we were getting questions on it. It was in headlines. I think it's one of those things we can chalk up to being about as boring as it sounds. Uh, so while I'm comfortable... <laughs> so somebody's trying to make it a lot more exciting than it is. Well, I didn't want to say that at the outset of the podcast because uh, you know, we definitely would have lost people even quicker than what we probably did. But you do have to think through this you know, from an investment strategy standpoint. So there's probably a lot of people that just you know, look at a bond fund and say, okay, hey, 
I got some bonds, I got some stocks, and most people typically have you know large U.S. S&P 500 type stocks. I think if you don't have a thoughtful investment process and a well-designed portfolio to be very robust and kind of all-weather-like to withstand a multitude of environments that we just don't know what is really going to show up. Um, again, I think this whole U.S. dollar kind of quickly declining is is not really um, based in reality. I think it's going to con- continue over a slow trend. But nonetheless, you still need to have a thoughtful process and a well-diversified portfolio um, before you can just kind of chalk it up and say, hey, I don't really need to, to worry about that. And you do need to think through these things. So um, I guess I would say, you know, for our clients, I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm very comfortable with our investment strategy. And we could kind of chalk this up to as boring as it sounds. But if somebody's listening and they're not sure that they have you know, a well-thought-out strategy and they're not sure how their portfolio is going to respond to this or, or you know, any other risk for that matter, you know, we'd be happy to have a conversation with you and explore a relationship and give you a second opinion. Very easy to get in touch and set up that time to visit and see if you would be a good fit for the True Wealth Design team. All you have to do is go to the website, truewealthdesign.com. We'll link to that in the description of today's show. There is a button that says, Are We Right For You? You click that and schedule a 15-minute call with an experienced advisor on the team. See if you're a good fit and if it makes sense to move forward with doing a review and putting together a plan or a second opinion of how you're currently structured for retirement and your financial future. Again, the number to call is also 855-TWD-PLAN. That's 855-893-7526. Or again, online, truewealthdesign.com. All that contact info in the description of today's show find it easily there and get in touch. Ask questions about this kind of stuff, about what else is on your mind when it comes to your financial plan and your financial life. Kevin and the team will help make sure that you are on the right track and that you have a good understanding of all the inner workings of your financial plan. Kevin, love the education that you and Tyler provide for us on this show. I learn something every single time we talk. And uh, thank you so much for your help and guidance today. Thank you, Walt. All right. Take care of yourself. Don't be a stranger. Come back and see us again here on the podcast soon, okay? All right. Will do. (laughs) I appreciate it. That's Kevin Krosky. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks so much for joining us, and we will talk to you next time right back here on Retire Smart. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed. All performance reference is historical and not an indication of future results. Benchmark indices are hypothetical and do not include any investment fees.